too. I mean, I'm out. A simple thought tonight at Exodus chapter 17. We'll go back into the story of, of um, man, what a what a great service it was this morning. I thank God for the Lord and, and a sweet, sweet spirit um, there was in church this morning. And it's been a sweet spirit tonight. I love singing songs and enjoying being around God's people. And, you know, sometimes when you pick out all the songs, you like to let other people like to say, hey, what's your favorite song? Get them a chance to pick your favorite song and let's sing it if we can do it, you know. I thank God. I thank God for the opportunity to be in church. I thank God for the opportunity to be your pastor. And I'm uh, very thankful for that. Very thankful for y'all being in church tonight. Exodus 17. Exodus 17. We've seen the, the murmuring the murmuring that takes place at the rock. Um, this is the rock of Horeb where Jesus, uh, or, God, or God stood on the rock and water flowed from the rock. And Moses was instructed to hit the rock. There's multiple instances where Moses was told to do things at the rock to bring water. This was one of them that he was told to hit the rock. Then there will come a time later when he was told not to hit the rock but just to speak to it. And... And he spoke to it. Uh, he didn't speak to it. He hid it that time. And, the, and uh, because of his disobedience, it cost him. But, but I, we're not talking about that today. But I want you to think about, um, as we look at this text, I want, we're going to read one verse and just give you a couple thoughts from this one verse tonight. Man, that's nice ice cream, man. Uh, so I think about what has just taken place. You as the children of Israel, you have just had a great victory, right? You've watched water flow from the rock. You've watched two and a half million people drink from the same water source. And if I, if I understand it correctly, it's been about two and a half to three months since they've left Egypt. Um if I understand correctly where I am in the time frame. So not only that, so we're talking two and a half million people drinking from one water source. How much water would have had to flow from that rock for them to be able to drink? And then God blesses and he has enough water for the children of Israel and then he has enough water for the beasts and all the animals they have and the, all the cattle and the oxen and the sheep and the donkeys and the everyone. Dogs and all the, I mean, I, I mean, come on, they had to have a sheep dog, I mean, all kinds of stuff going on. And they just, would you agree with me that that would be a great victory? Amen. Man, watching God bring water. And you know, I think that even after a great victory, much like that, you might even would have a party, huh? You might even be excited about what God has done. Rejoice. Rejoicing about what has taken place and all the things that God has done. You, yeah, you know, now if, if you haven't answered prayer, uh, sometimes we'll get on the phone and call people. Hey, listen to this. And we'll begin to talk about how good God has been. We want to spread the news. And so as the, as the news spread across the camp, here we are. God has done something big. God has done something great. 
then something else takes place. The Bible says in verse number 8 of chapter 17 of Exodus, Then came Amalek. You know, as you look at this text and you say, what does that mean? This means there was a group of people called the Amalekites, and they came. This was at, right after they had just celebrated a great victory. Right after they had just seen God bring water from the rock. And so the Bible says, then came Amalek. You've got your in Exodus. Keep it there, but turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25. So we can grasp a little bit more. In verse number 8, he says, Then came Amalek and fought. So there was a battle. The moment they had a great victory, here came a battle. They had just seen God bring water, and here came a battle. Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy 25. Verse number 17. The Bible says... In verse 17, chapter 25, he says, Remember what Amalek did unto thee? Father. And when ye were come up out of uh, come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way, and smote the hind part of thee, even all those that were feeble, even all that were feeble behind thee when thou wast faint. And weary, and he feared, and he feared not God. What did Amalek do? See, what Amalek did was he was watching the Israel in their desert journey. They were watching them to look for the best time to attack. Now I don't know about you, but you've got to be pretty bold to attack two point four million people. But God's people in chapter number 25 explains to us that the children of Israel were weary and they were tired because of their journey. And so Amalek came after a great victory. Because the victory was done, the fight's over, right? No. It was just getting ready to start. Because what happens is, just like in our Christian life, we have a great victory. What do we want to do? Take a deep breath. And when you have a great victory, sometimes it makes you tired. And you're kind of weak. And you need some rest. And so what had happened to the children of Israel, they had just had a great victory. Sure, they saw water flow from the rock, but they were tired. And they were weary. And then came Amalek. And Amalek snuck up behind them. He didn't attack them from the front. He didn't go to the warriors at the front. He didn't go to Moses at the front and, and Joshua at the front. He came to the back of the camp where the, where the hind part was and the weary ones were. And those who had almost given up were at. And Amalek. 
But I want to tell you, and it's just like that in the Christian life, then came Amalek. Don't think for just a moment you've had a great victory and it's all done. Woohoo, let's go to the house. Because the fight's just now starting. Because this Christian life is not at sunshine and roses. If, you, if you've just come through a great victory, you better watch out because Satan's on the prowl. If he can get you napping, if he can get you taking a break, he's going to get it. You'll see here, I'll give you three simple thoughts tonight. Number one, we see the method of the attack. What do you mean the method? How? How did he attack? The old sly, slew-foot, the old sly devil. He didn't come at them where they could see him. He came at them where they couldn't see him. They came at him. You know, you have two and a half million people walking down the road. Moses didn't see them coming. Moses and Joshua, they were leading the way. They had no idea what was taking place in the back of the camp. They had no idea. I mean, can't, I, mean it's, I know it's kind of hard. To me, it's kind of hard to grasp two and a half million people in one spot. I've never been around two and a half million people in one spot. I've been to a ball game, and maybe there was like 60 or 70,000 people. That's probably the biggest, biggest amount of people. Anybody bigger than that? Biggest group of people? I remember I went to a stadium uh, in Columbus, Ohio. They seat 100,000 people. And I'm like, this stadium's huge. I've never been in it when it was full, but I just went inside of it when it was empty. This stadium's huge. But that's only 100,000 people. We're talking 2.5 million people. We went, we'd go to Razorback Games in Arkansas. We'd go to, um, we'd go to Fayetteville. And there would be 70,000, 80,000 people at the game. And I'm telling you, we would, we would be at the top. And we'd walk all the stands. And there would be wall-to-wall -wall people. And you couldn't, I mean, as far as you could see, you could see people. And as far as you could look back, it was people. And it was only 60 or 70,000 people. So it's kind of hard for me to grasp two and a half million people in one spot. But if you can, imagine the most amount of people that you've ever been around in times of I about 10 or 20. And imagine being attacked from the backside. The front side has no that they have, that they've been attacked in the backside. And they may have, in the backside, there was a trumpet blower or there was a leader back here. And I know that there had to be some kind of organization where Moses sure was the leader, but he had people in charge of a group of a hundred or a group of a thousand or a group of ten thousand. I mean, how many ten thousands was it, does it take to make two and a half million people? But you have a group leader of each section all the way throughout the camp. And so they had to blow one trumpet, blow the next 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 trumpet, until actually they understood what was going on. And so when Amalek attacked them, they, he attacked them from the weakest point. He attacked them at the weakest spot that he came. And so I'm telling you, the method of Satan is not necessarily to get you when you're at your best, not necessarily to get you 
when you're standing strong. He wants to get you when you're weary. He wants to get you when you're faint. He wants to get you when you're discouraged. He wants to get you when you're down. You know, as a Christian, when somebody's down, we want to ought to help them up. Sometimes as Christians, we kick them in the face when they're down. But Satan, when somebody's down, hey, that's when he wants to get you. At your weakest point. Then came Amalek. If you're discouraged, if you're down and out, if you're weary, Satan is going to attack. You go forward into the scripture when Jesus walked out into the wilderness. How long had it been since he had eaten? 40 days. Would you agree with me that he was weary? He was tired? He was probably faint? Satan didn't come to him at day one of 40 and say, hey, come, come, get this, come get this loaf of bread over here. We can make this stone bread. He waited until he was thirsty. He waited until he was hungry. He waited until he was at his weakest point of the 40 days and said, hey, come turn this into bread. Jesus or Satan's not going to come to us at our strongest point. He's going to hit us at our weakest spot. Satan knows our weaknesses. That's the method of Satan. We see the method of Satan, but number two, let's look at the, the moment of the attack. You say, what do you mean, Brother Trenton, the moment of the attack? When did it happen? When they just had a great victory. They had just experienced something great. Satan come in and... I've seen it. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, I know that you've seen it. Man, you're shouting the victory. And here comes old smutty face sticking his head up. <laughs> Trying to destroy... What you I've seen it take place. We've been to church camp and seen God move in churches and, and uh, Christians' lives and teenagers' lives. Man, and they're on fire for God and they get home from camp and it lasts about a week because here comes here comes Amalek, here comes Satan attacking the great victory that you have. The churches who've gone through revival and had people say, here comes Amalek coming right the great victory. Satan doesn't give up. Satan doesn't quit. Satan doesn't back down. He doesn't shut up. He's always on the prowl. But that's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always the Lord. And you say, Brother Trenton, you're, you're, I, I don't want you to get down. I don't, listen, I don't want you to get down. I don't want you to be discouraged because yes, Yes, we will fight Satan. Yes, we have an attack. Yes, we may face that. But we have a way of victory. We have a way of, of overcoming Satan. We do. Yes, Satan may attack, but Satan also loses and can lose. Number one, the method, the moment, and lastly, the meaning. What was the meaning of this attack? What was the meaning of this attack? In chapter 17 and verse number 1 or so, verse number 3, sorry, the people were murmuring 
about how God had just brought them through. So Satan came right back through. Hey, he just saw, he just saw, Satan watched all this take place. Amalek watched all them, hey, Moses! Maybe they were, maybe they even watched them take place and run up to them. Moses, would you do something about the water? We're thirsty out here. And then they saw the water flow from the rock. And Amalek says, it's perfect timing right now. Right now, it's perfect timing. Let's get it done. And sometimes the meaning of the attack is you've just come through the great victory and he wants you to start murmuring again. He wants you to start complaining again. Is it that funny, Gene? Does anybody know how this battle ended? This battle of Amalek? You ever heard the story how Moses had to keep his arm? This is the battle. But God prevailed in this battle, just like he can in our You've heard me say, you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. The Bible says, there is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man that God is faithful and he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. But with that temptation, he'll make a way of an excuse. If God be for us, what? Who can be against us? I can do all things through Christ. Is it possible that yes, Satan will attack? But is it possible that we can still have victory even though Satan attacks at our weakest moments? It is possible. So when we look for a meaning of, of the attack, the meaning I feel like is this. Is we need to rely on God even after our victory. I think sometimes... This is just my opinion. I think sometimes as Christians, we've been through a great victory. We kind of get like, man, did you see what just took place? And here comes Amalek. We've always got to be in a place where we rely Because then comes Amalek. Amalek is the descendant of Esau. These are the descendants of Jacob. Jacob and Esau were at odds. God told basically that they would be at odds. This is Esau getting back. Jacob. You say, why? Because of the hatred and the unforgiveness and all that that goes on. You say, why do you say that? Because Satan has a purpose. And his purpose is to attack God's people. 
You know what Amalek was doing? He was attacking who? God's people. You know what Satan's going to do? Attack God's people. We might have them tomorrow. We have them next week. But there, you will come through a great victory. And then come Amalek. I don't know whose kids she's acting like tonight. <laughs> Must be yours, Mama. She is hyper tonight. Yeah. But Christian? Don't have to talk. Yeah. Christian, are you prepared? Satan's going to come get you. That's your weakest point. The method, the me his method hasn't changed. He still attacks the same way. He's not going to come at you in the front where you're most prepared. He's going to hit you in the weakest spot. At the weakest time. The Bible says Satan has come to seek, to kill, and destroy. He can't have my soul. Because I'm, I'm saved. But he can destroy my family. My life. He can destroy my testimony in just a moment if he can get me at my weakest. Christian, let us be prepared. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Lord, I know Satan's attack. And then come Amalek. He came. For victory. Lord, help us all to rely on you. Help us all to trust you. Lord, as we have a time of prayer and a time of invitation, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to work. I know it has in mind as I prepared this message. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to pray in your seat, you're more than welcome to. If you want to pray at the altar, you're more than welcome to. Take time with God tonight.